Welcome to the Modernizer Die Podcast, CFML News Edition, where we keep you up to date with everything going on in the Cold Fusion community. We'll share the latest news on events, releases to engines, frameworks, libraries, and tools, as well as spotlighting quality content from the community. Welcome to Modernizer Die, CFML News Edition. It's November 9th, 2021, and we're up to episode 125. I'm Gavin Picken with Auto Solutions, and Eric Peterson is joining me today. Hey, Gavin. Sorry about all those tweets, guys. It said Luis was coming. Uh, we fooled you. Uh, he fooled us, too, because he's stuck in a meeting. So sorry about that. <laughs> but Eric is a, a worthy uh, replacement, for sure. So actually, <laughs> one of the topics is even I was like mentioning you, so I'm glad you're here to talk about that. So we'll... Yeah. Well, I'm glad to be here, too. Cool. So first up, we want to thank our sponsors. We've got Order Solutions and our Patreon. So why don't you tell us about them? Yeah, Order Solutions, your favorite box products makers. We can, You can like and uh, give thanks back to them by liking and subscribing these videos on YouTube. Subscribe to this podcast in your podcast app of choice. Signing up for an account on CFCast, which releases new content every week. And we are still hawking the 102 cold box quick tips and tricks book over on Gumroad. Yeah. Every week that Brad's on, I try and bug him about his uh, command box quick tips, but uh, so far he's got one and he's busy. He's sick. So <laughs> maybe I'll just start like adding them in there myself and just put his picture on there. Uh, but anyway, but uh, yeah, so we got a, a lot of good ways you can say thanks back. And, you know, a lot of those ways are just free, you know, and that's, that's a cool thing. They all help us and uh, order solutions. And, uh, you know, we want to want to bring you things like this, but another way you can do it is support us through Patreon. So Patreon allows you to spend your hard-earned money and basically donate to, to the cause. And if you go to patreon.com slash order solutions, you can see all the different packages we have now offering the annual memberships. And just a side note, last week when we said Gary Knight made a big donation, that was because he paid for a year. And so when I got the email, I got all excited, <laughs> thinking it was a big monthly payment. It's an annual payment, which is still great. We really appreciate it. But uh, yeah, we were overly excited because we thought it was a huge, uh, huge plan. It's still a great plan. So, uh, but yeah, thank you again, Gary Knight. And if you guys do the annual membership, you can save 10% as well. So it's definitely a, a worthy way to do that. So right now we have 37 patrons providing about 93% of the funding for this podcast. So we're almost fully supported just by you guys at Patreon. So that's pretty awesome. Okay, let's get to some news and events. Yeah, we had some uh, couple news items from the box camp this week from Ordis. A new, uh, or rather an updated module and uh, updated Forge box. So the first one, CB Mail Services 2.0 has been released. This is uh, an old staple of a module, and we're going to cover it more, I think, in our module of the week. So yeah. uh, stay tuned for that. But we'll have the blog post and the Forgebox link for you here in the show notes. Yep. Uh, but yeah, basically, Luis got on some of uh, the Fluent Kool-Aid and updated it to make it even more fluent and super cool than it was before. So, uh, yeah, we'll tell you a little bit more about that soon. And the other big thing, as you mentioned, Forgebox 6 has landed. So uh, they've been working hard on this for several months. And the big, the really big uh, win here is the business account. So the ability for organizations to have a simple and human way of managing their packages and their teams. So previously, we allowed you to do collaborations and that type of thing. But this is really from a business first standpoint. So your organization actually owns the package, not a person who's sharing it. Um, and there's, yeah, a whole lot of other revamps too. But. I know we at Ordis are really excited ourselves for that feature because our, our packages have all been owned either by like an Ordis user and we're all sharing keys, which is never the best thing, or I own it, but everybody has access to collaboration. And so we're really excited to consolidate that in a proper org. And we think there's a lot of people who will be excited for that as well. Yep, for sure. Uh, that's one of the big things that uh, we've been missing when you compare to other platforms like NPM and those other those other platforms like that. So we're we're happy to have it, and you can check that more information on Forgebox. 
io slash plans to find out more about it and obviously there's a blog post on the order site so we'll be sharing that link here in the chat as well for those watching okay so tonight we have something so very timely the mid michigan seafog meeting is uh, gonna have nick kiawakowski I think, from uh, Michigan State University. And he's going to be talking about using AI and machine learning along with ColdFusion to build smarter call centers. So you can create voice and text-based bots to deploy to your contact center and your help desk. Sounds pretty good. I wonder uh, if they're any better than the ones that we usually interface with or if they're similar AI backing. Kind of curious about that. Yeah, and I'm very curious what he's going to use on mm -hmm. um, on the ai and on the the chat bots like i've used things like twilio before but i know there's a lot of options out there so yeah should be good tonight yep. 7 p.m eastern yep and the link is there and if you're in the facebook cold fusion group they actually post those there uh same day and and they'll post recordings there as well so if you're not on the facebook group if you're using facebook that's a good place to be so check that out then tomorrow we have, or yes, it is tomorrow. Sorry. <laughs> the one day workshop with Damien Brundonks. This is the Adobe's Cold Fusion one day workshop over in uh, our European time zones. So Central European time. You can still sign up on Adobe's website right now. Yep. And uh, yeah, that is uh, nine to five Central European time tomorrow. So that might actually be tonight for us, huh? <laughs> I, I can't do that time zone in my head. I think it's more like 4 a.m. for me, but I don't know. Three? Don't yeah. know. Anyways. <laughs> Just a side note. Apparently, Brad says uh, we should stop calling if statements in our code AI. But uh, <laughs> I guess we'll have to watch the CFUG to see what what that's actually about. Uh, is it real AI or just think, a bunch of if code, if statements? I think, I think the difference between uh, if statements and AI is a for loop, right? <laughs> yeah maybe okay sorry we always got hecklers in the chat but that's what makes it fun right so <laughs> so also coming up this uh this month we have the oldest webinar for november it's going to be on november 19th and it's going to be javi Huntero talking about forgebox business plan so if you want to learn more about the the new business organizations and team options for forgebox that's probably the best way to do it so Javi's uh, the lead developer of Forgebox along with Luis Mahano, and they've been doing lots of work, like we said, on the UI, and the big thing is the, the organization. So the link is uh, available for registration, so you can go register and they'll give you a reminder. But November 19th, 11 a.m. Central, yeah, come check that out. Uh, it's going to be, you know, the best way to learn about it. So... Finally, for this section, we have some news with our online CF meetup. The first is this Thursday, there is a meetup with Brian Riley, avoiding server-side request forgery vulnerabilities in CFML. That will be Thursday, this Thursday, November 11th at 9 a.m. Pacific time. Yeah, so this looks good. Um, I know that all the request forgeries, server-side and client-side, they're always kind of a pain. So this would be a good one for that. And apparently Brian knows what he's talking about. He said so in his own tweet. So he must be uh, <laughs> on it. <laughs> so. And then in case you missed it, we have the recording from the last online CF meetup, which was migrating apps to Cold Fusion 2021 from earlier versions with Charlie Earhart. So we will put the link to the recording. And as a reminder, you can view all of their past meetups on their YouTube channel. Yeah. Literally hundreds of videos available <laughs> from online CF Meetup over the years. So good to see a lot more sessions coming out there. And I was emailing Charlie about getting another one from me up there too. So hold me to it. Make me accountable. My life has got a little less hectic, so I'm going to try and fit another one in. <laughs> okay. So that is our news for the week. So let's check out our updates on CFCast. So CFCast this week just released um, a new series, Youth Trainings, and basically I can't even pronounce the name of it because it's one of the Spanish universities that we're, we're teamed up with. And so the first session, I believe, is on version control. 
because uh, I can't read it. Controlled diversionists. <laughs> <laughs> My Spanish is terrible. We don't have Spanish anywhere near where. They only just started getting tacos in New Zealand in the last couple of years. So, like, we're trying to make a Mexican meal in New Zealand. It was not easy. <laughs> so, much. so. But, uh, but yeah, they've got more of that content coming this week. Also, you should see the this month's Soapbox video podcast with Luis interviewing another uh, person about uh, basically Coldbox's 15-year anniversary and everything else going on with the CFML community. And we even have a new series on Forgebox coming very, very soon. Uh, Javi's going to be leading that since he's the lead developer. So we've got lots of great content coming your way from CSCast. And obviously, all the old content is still there. So, and Quick has finally finished. Eric, your your Quick series, a long series, but a great series. It took a few months. I'm excited to hear from all the people who uh, worked through it. Yep, I got so. the last two videos I think to watch, and then I'm done with that one. But I've I really enjoyed that one. Working with it as much as I have been lately, it was still good to see a few things that I didn't know or or it was easier. So very cool so yeah lots of great content up on cfcast.com remember a lot of it is actually free there is a paid subscription you can get to unlock everything but uh, you can get a lot of it for free and then if it's just one package or one series you want to watch a lot of them you can just purchase just one off so try to be flexible and uh, give you all the good content you need okay let's talk about conferences yeah, so first up, we have the Deploy Conference by DigitalOcean. That is November 16th and 17th. And knowing it's by DigitalOcean, that means it's going to be on absolutely everything. Um, so you're going to find something that you'd like. I just, they they have such a huge breadth of things that they cover um, just in their knowledge base. So looks like it's a lot about, you know, Docker, Kubernetes, different deploy structures like that. So um, I believe this is free, free online. Yep. And you can go register now on their website, deploy.digitalocean.com. Yep, very cool. And in case you're a .NET developer and you stumbled onto this podcast by mistake, uh, they're doing a .NET conference this week as well. I think it's today, tomorrow, and Thursday. So if you got here by mistake, you can go watch that at .NET conf. But... Didn't also, think if you are a .NET developer and you are here on this podcast, please comment on this video, and I want to talk to you because <laughs> I just need to know how you got here. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. Okay, well, next up we have uh, the AWS reInvent conference. So that's the premier um, AWS conference, and it's going to be November 29th through December 3rd. And this one is live in person as well as virtual as well. So if you come online, yeah. it's free. If you don't, it's about $1,800. Um, I think that's actually a discounted price over the previous years because I thought it was ridiculously priced. Uh, but <laughs> that just really proves how cheap and affordable Cold Fusion conferences are. You know, like Adobe seriously subsidizes uh, CF Summit every year. Uh, so maybe we'll appreciate them a little more. So, but yeah. So AWS reInvent has a lot of people a lot of sessions and it's 10 years of it now um, i wonder if brian class will be in person this year or watching online uh, but he's usually there he gives me some updates and obviously he has a lot of great aws content that he brings to us and shares with us with the cold fusion community but we have a lot of great stuff there and yeah they have certification and training and really can dive in pretty deep in a lot of the the services and they literally have 300 services for aws so there's got to be something you want to watch so next up we have the postgres build conference that is online and free november 30th and december 1st so if you do any work with postgres or you're interested in doing work with postgres check out that conference. I was just taking a look at some of their sessions and a lot about uh, performance, query optimization, uh, some Postgres specific things like casting. So it uh, looks like some good stuff there. I, I assume you're going to be there, Gavin, having done so much Postgres work lately. Yeah, I think so. And that really, I need to pay more attention to what's already in the other engines too, because you get so used to using what you know is there and not keeping up on uh, all the new stuff. So a lot of things I've used in Postgres, I figured out, hey, that's available in MySQL too. 
or um, an Emma sequel as well. So, um, but one thing about Postgres, it's really strict on the SQL standard. So a lot of times, if it's in the standard, there they have it, which is kind of nice. Um, but yeah, a lot of the other engines do vary a little bit. But yeah, I really like it, and it's got a lot of great extensions for doing almost anything and everything. So I know some of us in the chat. Scott's here. He talked about it into the box. Um, there's a few others that are big Postgres fans. So very cool. So next up, we have a little Latino flavor. We have into the box Latam, and now the full schedule is posted. I believe. Uh, I believe so. So this is December second and third. It will be in Spanish and Portuguese. You can register now. Um, that's about all we can tell you. This is one of the reasons we needed Luis here. Yeah. Besides writing all this stuff, you can also translate it if you needed to. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So it looks like they got some content box. They've got some, um, you know, Vue.js. Um, yep. Ooh, cold box in Portuguese. So Patrick yeah. Lee. So this is a, a free event. Will be held online. So that's December 2nd and 3rd, and you can sign up at latam.intothebox.org. Yep. It's a lot of speakers, so you'll, you'll meet some of the, the new speakers from down in uh, Latam's office of Audis, and there's also some community members as well. So uh, I know Patrick came last year. I think he's from AWS, I believe, if I remember right. So... Okay. And then less than a week after that, we have Adobe Cold Fusion Summit 2021. Yeah, and it looks like they've released their final agenda as well. So I'm going to scroll through that for those watching. So I know they've uh, left their speaker list up for a while now, and it looks like they've set it up in um, two tracks. So track one uh, is basically very much Cold Fusion based. So I know Brad will like that. And then track two, uh, this one is sort of the more related topic. So we've got some Gatsby if you want to do server-side rendering and you don't want to use Cold Fusion to do it. Uh, Gatsby's in there. Uh, there is some machine learning as well. So Brad will definitely want to avoid that one too. Uh, the blockchain <laughs> one is actually in there. And there's also a couple on, um, you know, a couple on, I think, Fusion Reactors and that other track. So just don't ignore the second track for sure, you know, at all. There is a lot of great content in that one too, but they seem to have had, like, track one is all CF and track two is sort of a mixture from what I could tell. So, uh, but yeah, there's some good stuff in there. And yeah, it's nice to nice to see a good mix. And there's a lot of uh, familiar names. Our very own George Murphy will be there talking about AWS Cloud with Adobe Cloud Fusion 2021. And there's some, uh, yeah, some really good stuff there. So David Tattestall, Charlie, Ray Camden, you know, so and Alicia's going to be talking about um, Adobe APIs. So there's yeah, a lot of great content in that uh, conference. And again, it's free. So super subsidized this year. <laughs> Go check that out. We have a couple more conferences to go over. Um jconf is a free java conference that will be on december 9th you can sign up for at 2021.jconf.dev so that's really that's, sorry ahead. i was gonna say uh, every time i see this and i see deep dish java you know they, they were holding it in chicago it makes me want pizza <laughs> <laughs> but yeah and and then uh the final one we wanted to highlight was a Vue.js nation conference which will be in the new year, January 26th and 27th. The call for speakers is currently open for that, which is why we wanted to highlight it now. Yep, exactly. So it's free to sign up as well. Just put in your email, ask you your name, and then you're signed up. This is another one by viewschool.io, which is a great place to go. And if you're wanting to learn a little bit more about Vue, uh, I believe they have some really good free courses and they have some paid subscriptions as well. Um, but yeah, this is an online live event. And... Uh, a lot of the regular uh, big speakers that you probably recognize and maybe a few you don't, but um, yeah, a lot of them are again, either related to view school um, or not, but it's a, uh, 
definitely a, a cool little conference. And yeah, I think the view for speakers is open. Sorry, not view. The call for speakers is open until December 31st. So you guys got, you know, six weeks to decide if, if you want to post something here. And so you can go fill out the Google form and submit something. And yeah, maybe we'll get a, get placed in that conference. That'd be a pretty cool honor. Get some Cold Fusion related stuff in there as well. So cool, cool. And as usual, if you want more conferences, there's not enough. <laughs> Comps.tech has a million uh, conferences there. And if you're hosting a conference, make sure you put on that list as well. So comps.tech and go find a, a conference in person, online. Uh, and yeah, even those .NET people that are watching can uh, find some .NET stuff. <laughs> okay. Blogs, tweets, and videos of the week. So Ben nadal has been busy, as usual. And the <laughs> first one, uh, basically he was talking about console out being so easy and loosey, and what was he going to do in Cold Fusion? Because for those of you not paying attention, uh, Ben's in the process of migrating his uh, his blog over to Adobe Cold Fusion 2021. And so that's probably the fodder for a lot of these uh, these blog posts this week. That's right. So uh, he was bemoaning that Lucy has a system output function, which can send either to the standard out or standard error stream. And what were, is he going to do for Adobe? Well, it turns out that write dump can take an output attribute. And one of those values is console and it will send it to the standard out. Yeah. Um, works in Lucy as well. They format the strings a little differently between the two, but um yeah, you might be reaching for that, especially when you can't, you know, abort and dump it to the browser. Maybe you're running in a background thread. Um, so it's a good, handy tool to have. Yeah, as you so. mentioned, especially when you're doing Docker containerized, it's nice to have the output stream, you know, just for, you know, even if you're just in log aggregation, it's nice. But yeah, it's definitely good. So, okay. Uh, next one that Ben has, I think we have like three in a row here, is talking about Cold Fusion. Component setters and accessors are chainable. I never thought about so, looking for this. <laughs> so that means as you uh, call, like uh, if you add accessors equals true on the component, the set methods return an instance of your component, right? So basically return this at the bottom of the generated method. So you can call set property one, set property B, set property C, and yeah. uh, that will work for you. Yep. So short and to the point, but yeah, just something uh, really handy. That whole fluent chainable stuff is pretty popular these days. I guess jQuery kind of made it more popular, but we're finally catching up in the whole fusion world. <laughs> and the next one from Ben is uh, he's wondering if uh, is error division decision function in Cold Fusion uh, worth adding? So. You know, there's a, a lot of functions built into Cold Fusion. You can do like is struct, etc. And so this one is error. He thought might be a, a good thing because he's been working through the roll bar SDK, and uh, I guess he realized that certain different types of errors are not the same. Um, and so when you throw them, they're always a little different. And so he was like, I wonder if we could do an is error built-in function and be able to figure out if it's actually an error or not. Um, yeah, it, this always makes me wish for the days of, uh, not the days, but the ability to do like custom exception types in Cold Fusion. Like right now, if you want to throw an error and include any data with that error, you're basically serializing it inside like extended info. It's just kind of, kind of a trick, tricky situation there. Uh, for yeah. instance, with CB validation, um, if you get a validation exception and you look in extended info, it has the whole like JSON representation of the errors because there's nowhere else for us to stick it. I would love for there to be a way to catch like that exception and know that you have different fields or methods available on it, like in Java. So if any of our Lucy or ColdFusion developer friends are listening, uh, put that in the next version, please. 
Yep. I mean, the, one of the things that he really complained about was when you were trying to check, you know, certain things. You checked if it's Boolean, string, or struct, or array, throw, expression, missing, include, SQL, error-ish, and throwable. And, you know, they just do different things in Lucy and Adobe. But I guess most of them, the engines probably don't care what the other one does. But, um, you know, it's just small differences like that. But... Yeah, I mean, it's a good idea. You know, if you're having to reinvent the wheel and do it over and over and, and do some hard work, maybe that's something the engine can help with. So, yeah, we have to do something similar. I know we've uh, have like the Sentry SDK. And when we're sending information up to Sentry, there's just, you know, a billion checks of, of does it have this field? Does it have this field inside that struct? What does this look like? Let's get all the data where it needs to go. Yeah. So. Yeah. And then yeah. I see the is instance ofs in his code. And all I can think of is anytime I've used is instance of in cold fusion, it has very much been become a performance issue. Yeah, for sure. Um, every time. So <laughs> I, I don't think it's just my use cases. I think there's something there that needs to be either addressed or I'll keep avoiding it. <laughs> yeah. And so Brad was saying, I think he wants to, you know, use is instance of since java exceptions are typed by class he says he's got to take it in both engines to allow complex data and extended info but requiring a string is dumb uh, and then because <laughs> basically error types aren't a class in cold fusion they're just a string and so you can catch groups of exceptions by using dots in the name like my dot error dot type um yeah and so the sentry checks it a guess if the logbox extra info is an exception versus a normal struct and so, yeah, there's lots of pieces in there. And then David was asking about, um, you know, basically extend and create custom ex extensions. And yeah, there's, there's lots of different things we can do. But again, I think it's just a consistency thing, especially for those who are trying to create a cross-platform. You always get those extra headaches, right? Yeah, I, that that is our life. <laughs> yep. Okay, well, next up we have that... Uh, that blog post, as we mentioned, for what's new in ForgeBox 6. So there's some pretty pictures and here. That's right. That's what I was just going to point out. You can see all the features in picture form here, getting ready for Javi's uh, webinar coming up. So yeah. again, we're really excited for all of the organization features, having packages owned by the organization, activity logs, and especially <laughs> uh, API key management. You can have multiple keys now. You know, put one on your local command box instance and put one on your CI server. And that way you can just rotate the one that you need. Yep. Uh, that has bit me before when I rotated my own personal key and all of a sudden all my CI builds failed. <laughs> so, yeah. So yeah, some great stuff there. Go ahead and you can check it out right now too, just by going to forgebox.io. Yep. Remember, not everything is for orgs. There's a lot of stuff just to be added to the, the normal ForgeBox, so a lot of uh, revamped UI, etc. So next up, we have a blog post from Adam Cameron and talking about the overhead of OOP in CFML. And so this is basically a question that cropped up on the CFML Slack channel, and he said he answered it pretty long-windedly um, in, in the Slack channel, but he basically said, well, I should probably post it as a blog too. And he asked the original questionnaire and they said they're okay. So this blog post is essentially that, uh, the original question and the original answer formatted for HTML, but not for, you know, didn't really change the answer. And so I thought this was useful for you because you've been uh, looking at some of this for quick to make quick even quicker, right? Yeah, there's a lot of quicks in that sentence. Yeah. Um, yeah, so the question was like how, like, you know, what is the overhead, how, how broken down is too broken down um, to kind of summarize, I think Adam's answer and something I agree with, which is as, as low as you need to go and no lower, right? Like uh, the original examples, like I have a car component. Do I need a wheel, an engine, a car body? And the answer is only if you need to, like <laughs> if you don't need to represent those and put behavior and data, then don't. Um, as for the overhead, yeah, so so quick right now, um, the entities, it takes about 10 milliseconds to get you one, which sounds really fast, and it is fast, <laughs> um, until you try to get, you know, 100 or 1,000 at once, and then that's, that's less fast. <laughs> 
And so that's why I've been running into and trying to see really what's the fastest we can expect Cold Fusion to create an object. Um, in my local testing, it's been about a millisecond is kind of the, I mean, rounding, obviously, I don't think I'm getting like nanoseconds or is it nano next or is it pico? I don't know. Whatever is under milliseconds, I'm not getting that level of, of detail. But um, that can make a difference, you know, one millisecond, 10. If you're creating a thousand objects, that's a second. So like they, there is an overhead. It's not free. It is relatively cheap. And our code usually isn't creating thousands of some object. Um, but when it is, that's a place to go look through and think maybe I can just get by with just buckets of data, you know, structs and arrays, which do not have that same overhead. So, yeah. And Adam's actually in the chat here. Welcome, Adam. Uh, but he's like, no, that doesn't sound fast. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, <laughs> if you're looking at the the overhead just on some of the, you know, the calls or whatever, it's it's similar. But if you're getting two or three, not a big deal. But yeah, like I say, when you're doing API calls and you're pulling back 100 records and those 100 records have, you know, 50 related records each and yeah, you get up to some craziness pretty quick. But I mean, we can't do too much more than Cold Fusion allows us to, but I like some of the stuff Eric's been playing with in his little proof of concept to get it down even faster. So, yeah, and so, and with that, I think you wanted me to to touch on that. Basically, it comes down to what we talked about: don't create things you don't need. Mm -hmm. um, There's some places in in Quick as I've been diving into this that we're kind of uh, creating everything you might need for when you you use it. For instance. Uh, the quick entities are also used as your query builders. And in the current version of quick, it creates a query builder for you whenever you ask for an entity. Um, but when you're getting, you know, a hundred back from a query, you're not going to be <laughs> calling a query on each of those. So it's just a hundred useless objects that were just created that, you know, those, those are the kind of things that we're trimming out, making things just in time or lazily evaluated. However you want to look at that. So those are the kind of things you can do. And again, if you don't need the extra abstraction, like don't put it in there. Yep. Right? You'll, you'll know when you need it. <laughs> yeah. And that's one thing I like about Quick. I mean, I have these crazy, crazy queries with all this logic and relationships and everything. And then at the end, instead of calling a get or a paginate on it, I just say as uh, get retrieved. Uh, retrieve query and then do a dot get or a dot paginate and it just bypasses the objects completely and it's crazy fast because quick builds all the queries with query builder it builds it all without actually generating the objects it's only if you say hey give me a list of objects back does it actually do it so all the other awesomeness that quick gives you is already there you just say hey i want it as a query instead and it goes okay and then no object creation It's well probably a query builder object but you know not everything else it's you way you already faster. have the query builder object at that point yeah so. exactly um so it's, it's, yeah you know that's i hear that and i'm glad it exists and it exists for that reason it is the goal and um that i'm working on right now to get basically the object cre creation and quick to be as fast as cold fusion will let it i do have some tests that's showing it's at that one millisecond mark um which again if you're creating thousands of objects, that's not going to cut it for you. So use a different tactic. Uh, but as far as I can tell, I can't uh, do better than that within the constraints the engines have given me. <laughs> yeah. So but that, that's being worked on right now. And hopefully we'll have like a, an alpha or a beta out soon to yeah. get all that good performance. Yep, exactly. And even David said that that's his favorite part of Quick. Everything's a query until you tell it not to be. And yeah, that's it's very cool. Um, actually, one of my sessions I'm going to be doing with Charlie coming up is going to sort of show you some of the what happens if you don't use Quick quite the way you th you think you are. And so some of it's like using Mementifier. If you don't set it up right, Mementify will do more queries than you want it to and, and stuff like that. So uh, I learned the, the interesting way with CB Debugger. It made me see everything that was actually happening. So I wanted to, to, you know, have a look at that and go into more depth for those who want to see it. But And Adam just said in the chat, he's like, his comment was not a slide on your code, Eric. It was a slide on CFML. And 
I'm kind of curious, Adam, because I know you did some PHP stuff too. Like, what's the object creation like in PHP or any other languages you compared it to? So, if you get a chance to pipe in in the chat, then uh, yeah, let us know. Because obviously, we we know that with thousands of objects, this is slow. But I wonder what other languages can create thousands of objects in. So, I don't know, Eric. Do you know? Uh, I I don't off the top of my head, but it would be fun to see. I'd be curious, just like in Java, what's the Java object take? Like instantiation wise. Yeah, I'm curious how that much one's like, you know, uh, is. if that's a nanosecond and we're taking a millisecond, what's Cold Fusion doing? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, but I don't, I don't know the answer to that. So, yeah. And Adam said micro or nanoseconds is what it should be. So, yeah, micro, there's the one. Okay. I knew there was something in between there. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I'm curious. I guess we can challenge the. The devs from Adobe and Lucy to try and up the game to get closer to, to Java. You know, I know it's an abstraction. It's also, I think it's also important to know that that's a question in every programming language at, at some level. Like ours might be like a higher, lower ceiling. I don't know the, the right term there. But I've seen it in so many languages like, oh, don't create this many objects. So oh, this is an overhead here. And so every language deals with it, uh, unfortunately. It's just... Uh, I think a consequence of having all these highly abstracted languages is that we don't have to think about it for a long time, but at some point and at some performance level, you, you start to. Yep. For sure. Okay. Well, interesting. Uh, yeah, it was a good blog post. And again, uh, go check that out on Adam's blog. And uh, yeah, I'm kind of curious to see what anybody else can give us for a, uh, you know, some other feedback on other languages and their creation types. So that would be kind of cool to see a graph or something. But uh, David says he likes, uh, he thinks CFML has more oddities than most languages. <laughs> I think Adam agrees. Uh, but Adam, you'd be bored without it. You know, that's why you keep coming back. <laughs> it's the oddities that we, that we know and love, right? Yeah. Better the <laughs> devil you know than the devil you don't or something like that. Okay. So, one more we got from Ben, and this might have just been out of order, but um, this is Ben talking about Rollbar's Java SDK 1.7 working Adobe 2021. And so he was setting that up here. And um, yeah, yeah, honestly, this was a, a adventure in Java Loader. Mm -hmm. um, just trying to get all the Rollbar jars loaded. I think he had to use a special version of like the Log4j. Um, it just kind of went to the the point of Adobe, please add a third param to create object to let's pass jars. It would make all this so much easier. <laughs> so, yeah. And I think he even said he has to, he had to load some other jar that wasn't even being used just so it wouldn't break. Was that the log for J stuff? That was the log for J one. If I remember right. Oh, yeah. Okay. Maybe I, I'm misremembering. Yeah. But it, it was, it was crazy. So, um, but yeah, you can check that out again. If you're, this will be a good one. If you deal with creating all uh, Java objects like this yourselves to get around some of these errors. So, or use Lucy and make um, our OSGI bundles so that you can use the exact version you want. Yep. OSGI definitely makes it better. Of course, Brad's like, isn't there a rollback SDK already? I know Audis used to use it. Yep, there is, but uh, I don't know what the restraints are and if it would have been uh, updated for 2021 or not. That's always a good question. So, but yeah, we used to use Rollbar a lot, and now we're using Sentry a whole lot more. So, I'm not sure. But yeah. Um. So I'm jumping back a little bit because I was curious on the object creation in Java. Uh huh. This is some of these tests on a 13-inch Retina MacBook Pro in 2015. So it's like an Intel Core i5, 16 gigs RAM, and four gigs given to the Java heap. It took anywhere between three and 127 nanoseconds to create like an object or an object that held a collection. So hmm. <laughs> nano is underneath micro, I believe, in the list. So there's a big, again, I should be, I want to re-clarify I say one millisecond because that's the fastest that I'm getting from like the get tick count. Mm -hmm. 
if I dig down to Java, I might find that it, it is in the microseconds level and it's just rounding. But nanoseconds, I feel, would round to zero. <laughs> so you would hope. So right? there's something interesting <laughs> there. Yeah. So. I guess you got some homework, Eric. Uh, jump down and get us some uh, some Java tick counts and see what we can get because I'm kind of curious. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We'll see. Next, next podcast. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Okay, well, that wraps up our blogs, tweets, and videos of the week. So next up, let's talk about find a job. So only one new job listed this week on Get CFML Jobs. Oh, apparently uh, Lucy has the ability to get nanoseconds, just so you know. Interesting. But the jobs we have listed is one in Australia, so Gold Coast, Queensland. And that was put out uh, last Wednesday. So looking for a Cold Fusion developer with a solid understanding of HTML, CSS, and JS, and experience writing with SQL. So if you want to find out more information, this was originally posted on Indeed, but if you go to getcfmljobs.com, you can check this one out. And if you look back, we've had you know almost 230 uh jobs this year so not a bad little count there and this does read from uh, several of the major job boards and you can post them free on the site so get cfmljobs.com and if you subscribe to twitter you'll see all the new ones pop up there was actually a new one that popped up and already disappeared because i think it was filled uh this week as well so just showing you the ones that are still available Ooh, get tick count nano oh i'm curious i wonder i will I will go shove that in my tests and report back. You better. <laughs> okay, so next up, oops, we have our Forgebox module of the week. And so, as we mentioned earlier, it is Codebox Mail Services 2.0. So, so if you're wondering why you would use this as opposed to just the CB Mail tag, um, CB Mail Services is a wrapper around both the CB mail tag, as well as any other protocol or way you'd like to send mail, whether that is sending it with an, an API to like Postmark or SendGrid, even writing it to a file on disk, saving it to an array, or just throwing it away. Because depending on the environment you're in, development, testing, staging, you want to do something different for it. Exactly. And so that is the big um, sell behind using CB mail services. It can use your CB mail tag under the hood, but it lets you switch that between the environments. Uh, I find it great. This new in-memory one for testing lets mm -hmm. you, everything gets collected in an array. And then at the end of your test, you can say, hey, mail services, you should have an email to this person with this subject. So you don't actually send anything. You're not the uh, HBO intern, you know, but uh, you get your tests running. <laughs> so... Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the big the big thing in this one is there used to be like you create a mail object and you needed to send it back to the service to actually send the mail. Now you can just do it all in line in a fluent chain and we do that for you. Yep. The dot send and then you can do dot on success and on dot error as well. Uh, well, dot on error. Sorry. Um, but the other cool thing is before you'd have to actually inject the cold box renderer and then give it a template and then it would render that template and then you would get that and then you'd shove that in the body. And so now you have a set body and it just takes the template directly or you can include it there. So it gives you a couple yeah. extra options there, which I was always like, why do I have to keep injecting this renderer? Shouldn't it just do it? Now it does. Yeah. So I believe you're specifically talking about the set view. Yeah. If I, I remember so. right, a mail can now take a view. Uh, um, all the arguments that you had passed to the like a uh, event dot set view can be set there as well. So yeah, that is incredibly nice. <laughs> yep, and like, um, like do the set read receipts. You don't have to worry about the weird header yourself and add attachment. Just expand the path of what you want to send really fluently. Those looking at home can see it on the. I'm looking at the blog yeah. post here, but um, there a is an upgrade. Of, Sorry. A, a couple of new features is now you can specify multiple mailers inside of your settings and be able to switch between them in your code. So before CB mail services, you could, based on your environment, choose one of, of the protocols. But now you can set all those protocols up, maybe change the default between environments that still have a way to send mail to multiple places. For instance, if you have 
one service for a newsletter and one service for your transactional email, something yep. like that. That's a perfect example because the mail service, they usually want you to treat them differently. So now it makes it easy to do that. So, And then I think the final neat features are hooking into the Coldbox async engine with a send async method. So that will return to you a Coldbox feature. You can either wait for it to complete or what is more likely, you'll probably just want to let that keep going and maybe uh, catch an error and, and log it if there is a problem. But that way, your user doesn't have to wait the few seconds it takes for you to spool up that mail and send it. They'll just get a response right away. Yep, for sure. So a lot of awesome stuff there in CB Mail Services 2.0. There is an upgrade guide for some compatibility changes. So do check that out. But uh, it is a major update, so it won't automatically update. If you want it, you have to make sure that you, um, you know, ask for the 2.0 version. Otherwise, you'll just get the 1.0 version you've liked all along, because uh, there is a couple of changes that you will need to consider. So. Um, additionally, if you do upgrade to the 2.0 version and you are using any protocols on ForgeBox that aren't included with it, make sure they've been updated as well. I know I maintain the SendGrid protocol. And it's just a minor change, but I haven't done it yet because this was just released. So yeah, don't try to use them together; it'll break. I think I have to update the Mailgun one. I think I do that one. I don't know who did Postmark. So. Anyway, there's a <laughs> the Postmark is, is included with uh, oh, CD Mail services, so that oh, one's okay. already up to date. Oh, that's right, because that's what we use for order stuff, I guess. So cool, cool. So yeah, yeah uh, if you want to go check it out, CB Mail Services on Forgebox, or check out the blog link I just posted in the chat. Okay, so next up we have our VS Code hint, tip, and trick of the week. And this is so hot that I think it actually just got acquired. So this week uh, we're going to be talking about CodeStream. And CodeStream is a developer collaboration platform that I think New Relic just picked up. Because I swear when I looked at it last week, it didn't have New Relic. And now New Relic is all over it. So I think they just got it. They just acquired it. Yeah, it's the very top of the... Uh, the extension says CodeStream is now a part of New Relic. <laughs> yep, exactly. On um, October 21st. Oh, yeah, so not too long ago. So, yeah, so basically the cool thing is, is it actually allows you to um, do GitLab, GitHub, um, and code reviews, sorry, pull requests, and then code reviews in your IDE. So instead of having to switch between all these different tools, you can do it straight in there. And it integrates with New Relic 1, Bitbucket, Slack, MS Teams, Jira, Trello, and more. And so... It's got a, a bunch of different hosts that you can connect it to. It also links into things like Jira and um, your other issue trackers. And then if you have some observability tools like New Relic One or Pixie, it works and it ties into messaging services too. And this is actually a plugin for VS Code or JetBrains or Visual Studio. And as long as you're using uh, Git or Git hosting like GitHub um, or GitLab, then this can work. So if we scroll down for those watching, you can see you can basically comment directly in your code um, and add little issues and track issues. It's all kind of built straight in there. It's kind of neat that you can just do it straight in your editor if you don't want to jump off. Um, but yeah it's, yeah, it's kind of neat. You got like a little chat screen, comments, kind of like, you know, working with Google Docs and there's comments on code and everything. You can bounce up and down and, and just do it straight in VS Code. I, I'm very interested to try the reviews just because I do go between GitHub and GitLab fairly often. And the fact that it works on both sounds really nice. Yeah. I don't think I've ever quite gotten the GitLab extension to work how I want. So maybe this will work better. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's kind of cool. You just tie it into Slack too. So those, those pop-ups are straight from your IDE into Slack so people can see it and know how to go check it out. But yeah, I don't know if, CodeStream is something that's free right now and they're going to charge or if it's something that, um, you know, it's, like I said, it was when I first looked at it, it had nothing to do with New Relic, I believe, or maybe I just missed it. But uh, it looks like a, a pretty interesting feature and maybe not good for everybody, but uh, it sounds like it's got some nice features for, you know, teams that are working on those, those tool sets. So, yeah, CodeStream. And they look like so far for some really good reviews too. Okay, so 
last but not least, we have our Patreon supporters. And again, I just want to uh, rectify my little misstep last week when I said Gary Knight had made a extra large contribution. Uh, he did make it, but it was an annual membership. So just want to say uh, thanks again to Gary, but uh, I might have overstepped your... Um, I guess your baller status as far as uh, how much money you had to throw around. <laughs> so, uh, but um, he's still one of our top contributors. So we thank you. And remember that the Patreon support goes directly into supporting this podcast and other community efforts like Command Box, Forge Box, Cold Box, Content Box, Test Box, etc. And uh, they, they power the cloud infrastructure that we use for Forge Box and our package management. And there's obviously some perks too. So being a Patreon member, um, we'll basically talk about you on the show. But also if you are um, on the Autos Community website, you get a, a free profile badge for being a, a, any member of the Patreon packages, as well as your own private forum access. If you've got questions, you get your own forum, where you get special attention from the Autos team. And then bronze packages also get a Forgebox Pro account and CFCast subscriptions as a perk for their Patreon subscriptions. So those are some uh, extra benefits for being a Patreon supporter. And again, usually on Patreon, there's a certain level that you're supposed to be before we read your name on the podcast. But until we get, um, you know, higher numbers, we're reading everyone's. Uh, we do put them in a certain order. So it's alphabetical after package donation level. So the top ones are usually the higher donations. And then as we go down, it's alphabetical. So just in case everybody was thinking the last person was the least, they might be tied with like 20 other people. So <laughs> <laughs> alphabet does play into it. But yeah, it's really cool to have this many people, you know, spending their hard-earned money to to help us in this project and our other project. So thank you. Yeah, thank you all. I think it's my turn to go yep. through our awesome list. Go for it. So thank you to John Wilson with Synaptrix, Eric Hoffman, Gary Knight, Mario Rodriguez, Giancarlo Gomez, David Bellinger, Jonathan Perret, Jeffrey McGee with Sunstar Media, Dean Monder, Joseph Lamary. Don Bellamy, Jan Janik, Laxma Titrahadi, Carl Von Stetten, Dan Card, Jeremy Adams, Jordan Clark, Matthew Clemente, Daniel Garcia, Scott Steinbeck with Agri Tracking Systems, Ben Nadal, Mingo Hagen, Brett DeLine, Kai Kinnig, Charlie Earhart, Jonas Erickson, Jason Dagger, Jeff McLean, Sean Odin, Matthew Darby, Ross Phillips, Edgardo Cabezas, Patrick Flynn, Stephanie Mons, Kevin Wright, and Stephen Klotz. Thank you for supporting Order Solutions and this podcast. Yep, and you can check them out on ordersolutions.com slash about-us slash sponsors. And again, patreon.com slash ordersolutions. You can find out about those packages and what's available if you want to uh, donate to us through Patreon as well. Okay. Well, that's it for another week, guys. So thank you very much. Have a great week. Remember, lots of conferences going on this week, next week, and coming up. So we'll catch you guys all very soon. Have a good one, everybody. See you later. Bye. Show notes for this episode can be found at cfmlnews.modernizeordie.io, where you can also subscribe to your favorite podcast player like Spotify or iTunes. We also have the link to YouTube to find more videos just like this. The music used in this podcast is under a royalty-free license from Sound.com and Bluetree Audio.